Welcome to Crab Takes and Football. This is what the Baltimore Sports Report does. I'm TK, joined by Andrew Holly. Holly, how we doing, man? Good. Big, big win this week, and, and I kind of have to take credit for it. I have to say, I mentioned at the end of last week's show as we were making our predictions that I had Russell Wilson as my fantasy starter, that I had just traded for him. So he was likely to have his worst season or worst worst game rather of the season. And hey, it happened. Let's go yeah. Ravens. How about Yeah, there you go. We're we're both eating a little bit of crow. We both predicted a Ravens loss. However, they came away with a big time thirty to sixteen win on the road in Seattle. So we're gonna talk about our offense and defense and special teams, uh, but we're gonna leave the preview for the Patriots game for next week because the Ravens are on a bye. So instead, we're going to do a little bit of a, a semi or like an approximate first half recap of, of what, we've, what we've seen from the Ravens so far and what we think uh, we'll see in the second half and what we would like them to improve on. So the Ravens won, obviously, but if you look at the box score, not really the, the most dominant win by them. You know, fewer yards. Uh, Fewer plays run. We lost time of possession by 12 seconds. We weren't as good on third down, but we were perfect on fourth down. One for one, the fourth and two Lamar Jackson touchdown run. That drive was incredible. Well, everything about Lamar Jackson in the game was pretty incredible. I mean, now granted, you know, he didn't have the the greatest of games in the air, you know, nine of 20 for 143 yards. I think we can probably blame it on his receivers dropping a lot of Mm -hmm. balls. Um, You know, so that nine of 20 should have been, you know, maybe 13 of 20 or, or better than that. I mean, there, he was definitely not the reason why, his completion percentage was as poor as it was. But that said, 14 carries for 116 yards. The man is fifth in rushing in the NFL at this point. He has more rushing yards than several teams. I think I read he has the same amount of rushing yards as the high-powered Kansas City Chiefs offense. I, I, I mean, what more can you say about Lamar? This was a game where Lamar showed if if this indeed will be an MVP season for him as as in some respects seems to be building towards that if he can continue this on this is going to be one of the games that that you have to point to to go this is why you don't you just don't go to Seattle as an East Coast team and win 30 to 16 that just it it just doesn't happen, and for Lamar to come in and take over the game as he did, like you said, the fourth, you know, the fourth, uh, fourth down touchdown, where you know Tucker, as he tends to do, runs out on the field and starting to get ready, and thankfully, you know, John Harbaugh said, "No, wait a minute, we're going to talk about this," and Lamar said, "I want to score the damn touchdown," and he did. And, I mean, what more can you say? The man has been incredible, and hopefully there's more to come. Yeah, I mean, so, like, in a world in which, you know, we're putting together uh, 
a montage of the season's highlights. I think the first one is that clip of Lamar saying, hell yeah, coach, let's go for it. Because, I mean, what a moment that was. I mean, the, the trust that Harbaugh has in Lamar, the trust that Marshall Yanda has in Lamar, like immediately agreeing, like, yeah, let's go for it. And with all that enthusiasm, I mean, that was just so cool. And, and shout out to the to the Ravens production team. I mean, the videos that they put together are so awesome. But that particular moment was was absolutely incredible. And, uh, you know, that that'll be on every Lamar Jackson highlight reel going forward. Um, you know, you did mention the drops. So quick bulletin board for my guy, the Mandrews. Uh, I think it was just a bad game. He, he got he got drilled pretty early in the second half. Uh, and and looked a little bit shook after that, but uh, I, I think he'll be fine. So I'm not worried about him. But yeah, got to clean up the drops for sure. Uh, his it, Lamar's numbers would have been a lot better through the air, but I you know, I mean his his ability on the ground, even with like the slick field and the weird turf that he was complaining about. I mean, he is just so much more athletic than everybody else that we have seen try to defend him. And you know, there was one particular run. Uh, in the fourth quarter on a, on their very long drive in which you could just see Bobby Wagner chasing Lamar and just all hope and just leaves his body as Lamar just blows right by him. And Bobby Wagner's a really good player. And, uh, you know, that just does not happen to him that often. So, you know, for, for Lamar to do that on the road in a, in a big time moment like that uh, is just really, really fun to watch. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, and you said it. You said it very well. There are a couple points I want to circle back on. You know, first off, Lamar Jackson is a video game. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, watching him, you know, he just has that change in direction and fast twitch that is just outrageous. Because there, these other athletes on the football field are. Tremendous. This isn't me, you know, 40-year-old out-of-shape guy trying to, you know, play touch football with him. This is, you know, high-level athletes in the peak of their physical condition, essentially. I mean, obviously, it's midseason, so guys can be hurt. But, they, you know, you just don't see that in the NFL. You just don't see it. Even he's got moves that are reminiscent of almost like a Barry Sanders. And I almost want to, you know, everyone wants to say, oh, Michael Vick, you know, and that's who you point to because he's kind of been the, you know, he before Lamar, you know, really Michael Vick is the running quarterback guy. But I think it's pretty clear that that's going to be Lamar as long as he can continue being successful and the just the the vision the awareness the change in direction all that stuff that a guy like Barry Sanders had you're seeing in Lamar Jackson but from the quarterback position mhm and i just i shudder to think what he will do to NFL defenses when the Ravens actually have receivers that will catch the ball. And I don't mean that as, 
any kind of knock on Mark Andrews. I just mean that as a whole. He's a young player that's developing. I think he'll be fine, like you said. But, you know, having Hollywood Brown on the field, having some other wide receivers around Hollywood Brown, Boykin made a nice play. You know, you, mm-hmm. you start to, you know, him continuing to develop. You know, once once that offense continues to mature around Lamar, God, how much better is he going to be? I mean, that oh, is... Yeah that's going to be exciting yeah absolutely i'm not sure if you can hear all these sirens and horns in the background but uh, they're finally I'm, coming for you man yeah i know but yeah i think they agree with you on, on these points i mean like like you said just so electric um yeah but miles boykin you mentioned it nice catch to open up the game on that on that first drive um nice to see him getting involved uh, on, on some of the deeper plays down the field. I mean, he does have that speed to stretch the field. We just haven't had too many opportunities for him to do it yet. Um, I mean, uh, uh, the other thing that that we kind of pointed to last week was Bradley Bozeman and his struggles a little bit. I think he rebounded really nicely and had a really good game. Um, you know, Jadavian Clowney, one of the better players uh, in, in the in the NFL along the defensive line, not really a massive impact, which is which is I think a, a great a great kudos to um, to the offensive line there. You know, taking care of him plus Boyle, and I know that Mark Ingram had a nice blitz pickup on him. So I think the offensive line has continued to look really good, and it was really nice to see Bradley Bozeman bounce back the way he did. Yeah, I that that's a great point, and and one point on Mark Ingram, he is has been such a great addition to this football team. Yeah, man, he's fun. Oh, my God. I love the personality. Like you said, he's fun. He just seems to be an awesome team guy. You know, I mean, fantastic. I mean, that his him joining the team has been great. I love having him as a Raven. I I just want to say that right now. There is a fantastic video. I'm trying to remember where I saw it, but I guess – I think it was like an interview on the NFL network or something. And, and it was something he did, I guess, over the off season where he went to like somewhere in Europe to an army base or something. And they, they had him put on this like uh protective suit mm-hmm. and, and try to like run away from like a guard dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he gets Hold down, like <laughs> unbelievably. But the way I mean, the video is funny, but the way he tells the story is just fantastic. <laughs> I mean, I'm not doing it any justice, but it, you know, he talks about how like the guys are like, "Oh yeah, why don't you do this?" Oh, okay, yeah. So he puts on the suit, and then they're like, "Yeah, so don't do this because he could go for the jugular." And all of a sudden, he's like, "Wait, wait, what? <laughs> huh?" You know, and it's really. You know, and I'm very much paraphrasing, but it's, oh, it's very funny. And he's just, just a really good personality. He's the kind of guy that you, you hope after his, you know, successful Ravens career with multiple championships over the course of his contract that, you know, he'll come back and be part of the media. Cause I mean, he's got the personality for it. There's no question. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Both on the field and off the field. He's, he's been awesome. I mean, his, his videos that they capture of him are on the sideline and things like that are so fun. Oh, fantastic. Uh, yeah. What I think what he was, when he was talking to Peters after he got the interception, 
mm-hmm. and took it to the house. I mean, all of that was just fantastic from just just this past week, let alone the entire season so far. Um, you know, the other thing I wanted to circle back around on and how lucky are we as Ravens fans that the that the Ravens do such a good job with their uh you know their their video department and mm-hmm. their you know I mean not just their I mean their game day entertainment is off the chain and that goes without saying which that's that's another thing altogether that's fantastic but their website and all the stuff they do for fans and content and all that is really top notch and um, I, I have to give them high marks. I just don't know. And, and uh, do other teams do as much as the Ravens do? Because I feel like I feel like there are things the Ravens probably do other teams don't. Am I wrong about that? You know, I have no idea. I've never really thought about it. I just have have stopped thinking at the at the point where I was like, man, they're really good at this, and never really considered what other teams do, but. They are really good at it. I mean, the, the content that they put out, like you said, is is seriously so good. You know, whether it's the 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 previews before the games, I guess we're going to be on like chapter nine coming up soon for the Pats game, and then or chapter eight maybe, and then like the 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 reviews of the game. You know, they put out like seven eight minute long videos of going through the whole day, and I mean, they're just really good. Just just how they do it, how they put it together. So shout out to that department. I mean. Yeah, they, they make they end. make. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say they, they make being a fan a lot more fun because you get that kind of insight of the guys on the sidelines, you know, having fun, just being just being Absolutely. guys. And even just their web content stuff. I mean, their interviews, their, you know, their pundits, you know, they've got some legitimate people that come on and and, you know, do some some stuff for them. I mean, it's pretty impressive and when i say legitimate people that's not to knock the guys that you know work for the ravens directly that are on the show but the the gentleman that does the most of the sideline reporting uh, on the cbs games i'm trying to remember his name off the top of my head and i can't think of it um but he's generally hosting shows on the ravens uh because i guess he lives here in baltimore and Mm -hmm. then uh you know john eisenberg who used to write for the sun's doing stuff and then got several people from Comcast Sportsnet and other folks and they've got I think Jeff's Jeff's Zrebeck I saw the other day um so you know it's just they they do a fantastic job I mean it's almost and and you know being someone that has kind of cut the cord you know I'm I sling you know and all that other stuff you know and so it's it's nice to feel like I don't have to watch the NFL Network or (laughs) And you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it's nice that, you know, it's not that I'm trying to poo-poo that stuff, but it's it's great to have really good content that's Ravens-focused. You don't have to sit through a bunch of crap you don't want to watch. You can just get Raven stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. So. But we digress. Yeah, yeah. Nice digression there, but, I I, like, it, it needed to be said. They do a really good job, so. Um, maybe if we, we hop back to the offense, um, let's see, where did I leave off in my notes? Oh, I wanted to mention really quick, the personnel that were on the field for the Lamar Jackson's touchdown run fourth and two, uh, in the red zone, we had the smallest guy on the field was tight end Mark Andrews at 260 pounds. 
everybody else was bigger than that. So it was our starting offensive line. It was Lamar Jackson, who I guess isn't 260 pounds, but you get the point that I'm making. We have all three tight ends on the field, Patrick Ricard and an extra lineman and James Hurst. That was the heaviest we could have gone on offense. And I I just love that kind of bully ball uh, in the red zone. I mean, that was so cool to see that that formation that they put together and that personnel. I agree. You know, it's, it's like uh, back in, you know, I forget the year, but when we had LeBron McClain and uh, and uh, Willis McGahee and we were always going, I guess it was Flacco's rookie year mm-hmm. in uh, yep. with 2008. And, uh, you know, they kept just going big on the offensive line, the oh, jumbo yeah. package and all that. And Lorenzo uh, Neal. Hell yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. So, dude, Lorenzo Neal and LeBron McClain, dude, that was badass. <laughs> badass, dude. I mean, it, anyway, I mean, let, let's just be real. That's I, that's Ravens football right there. I mean, it's you know, as much as we love Lamar Jackson and what he can do, that, that just bully mentality on offense, that's Ravens offensive football. You know, so certainly the the Lamar era is a hybrid of that and probably the, the best version of that we could ask for. Um, and uh, just seeing well, those big, big hogs on the line, not to make anyone think of that team in Washington, but, you know, to get those big guys on the line, just dominating is fun to watch. Right. And then you add Mark Ingram and, and Gus Edwards to the mix. I mean, they run angry too. You you could see it against Seattle. I mean, they had trouble bringing down those guys and, you know, they just run angry. And I know uh, Mark Andrews is, um, I'm sorry, Mark Ingram has won a couple uh, awards from the NFL network for running angry. But I mean, those guys behind this big offensive line is, is really, really just Ravens football. And I love it. Can't agree more. Um, So, I mean, I, I don't know if you had much else to add on the offense, but I it, am, am I allowed to have one complaint? Absolutely. My one complaint is our red zone efficiency, and I've brought it up several times over the course of the year. The Ravens kicked three field goals from less than 30 yards on Sunday, and I just don't think in the long run that that's going to get it done. I mean, in in our near future, we see the Patriots, we see the Rams, we see the 49ers, we see the Browns. All, I mean, the Browns, I mean, killed us pretty good. All pretty good offenses there. We're going to need to score more touchdowns, man. We can't keep kicking short field goals. And I'm not entirely sure what the issue is, but I just know that we need to be a little bit more efficient than that and score more touchdowns. And instead of kicking short field goals, I'm with you there. I mean, it's it it concerns me how much the offense kind of depends on Hollywood Brown for such a small sample size. It 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 certainly does appear that without him available, it really hurts the verticality of the offense. Um, you know, I especially when. We unfortunately see a 
a hiccup from Mark Andrews occasionally. You know, if if Andrews now I'm not and again I'm not trying to point fingers. I think I think I agree with you. This was a a, a blip more than anything. You know, on the but you know the Ravens just need some of their receivers and downfield threats to develop. It's you 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 wonder. And I don't think this can happen because of the cap, but all things considered or all things being equal, what's more important, finding a wide receiver or finding a pass rusher? Well, I mean, I, you could definitely make an argument for both. And and we're, we're sitting here on Thursday, the 24th, and an interesting name is probably going to hit the market soon, and that is the Patriots' Josh Gordon who was put on IR, probably going to be released once um, he passes a physical and they come to whatever injury settlement that they do. But Josh Gordon is going to become available. I think he might have to go through waivers. I'm not entirely sure. But that's an option at the wide receiver position where there may not be as many obvious pass rush targets out there. Yeah, and certainly the price could be right as much as I hate to say that. I mean, I'm Josh Gordon to me is a tired subject. I mean, <laughs> just because it is. I I I I'm I'm I am surprised that he hasn't developed really for the Patriots just because it's the Patriots, but I don't know that I you know, and I have nothing I have no problems with, you know, any any of his quote unquote drug issues because it's weed. And I don't know. I, I, I tend to think of that differently than if, you know, someone was all coked up or, you know, something like that all the time, or even, even steroids in some respects, I, I, I think are a bigger, a bigger issue than something like that. But I just, I just don't see how he is a reliable option. I know you're kind of just looking for lightning in a bottle, you know, with a guy like Josh Gordon, I just he he doesn't he doesn't excite me personally. Well, then the other guy that we can point to is Robbie Anderson from the Jets, a deep threat. He's he's an interesting name, and that's actually who I thought you were going to say before you said Josh Gordon. And <laughs> oh my I God. had <laughs> no, that's okay. Just because you know, full disclosure to those out there, you know, you live in you live in New York, so I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if you're going to throw out some. Big Apple scoops you may have just read about, you know, regarding the Jets. But, um, yeah, he could be he could be an interesting guy. Now, I don't know. Do you, do you know what his cap number is? He's still young. I'm not sure he's on his second contract yet. OK, because, I mean, that would be I'm not sure how much I would trade for him. How much would because I I actually have had him on my fantasy team some this year and he he's been OK. You know, now granted, it's the Jets, so you really can't look at that too much and 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 say the guy isn't talented. Um, but I'm not sure how much I would trade for him. How much? What would you trade for him? It would be maybe a maybe a day two or day three pick. He's he's yeah. still on his first contract. I just looked it up. He, he's he's uh, okay. yeah, he's uh, expiring at the end of this year. Okay. So what and so what does that mean? What was he uh when was he drafted? What round? Let's see. 
That's a good question. Do you want to ex- expand on that while I look it up? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, thinking about cap number wise, you know, because obviously I think the Ravens, I think it's 2.1. Oh, yeah. Their... So his, his cap hit for the year is uh, $3 million. He signed a one-year extension with them. Just okay, over three. So... He's right about 3.1 mil. So that so would, it would mean about how much would be left of that 1.5, say, half of it? Yeah, a little bit more than half because they do it out of 17 weeks and we're through okay. seven. So a little bit more than half of that left, you know, might fit, might require a yeah, trade so of an active close. player. I would think that would probably quite require a trade of an active player. Um, you know, the disappointing thing and not to take it away from Robbie Anderson or the offense is the, the trade that happened earlier today for, uh, actually two trades. If you think about it, the the one I was going to mention really was Michael Bennett going from the Patriots to the Cowboys for a conditional mm-hmm. seventh. Now I believe his cap number was like four. So yeah, that yeah been, it was quite a bit more. That would have been a, a, you know, a harder fit than Anderson might, but um, the other trade that is unfortunate again, and I haven't looked at the cap number for that, but a guy that, that I think would have kind of changed our offense would be a Muhammad Sanu. Um, yeah, he's a player as a big wide receiver opposite somebody like, like a Hollywood Brown or even a Sneed when, when Brown's out on the field. That would have made a big difference, something like that. And I don't like him going to the Patriots. To me, that's that more so than somebody like a Josh Gordon. That's a player that goes to the Patriots and suddenly becomes can't miss just because Tom Brady loves a reliable guy. Yeah. And he's got a cannon, too. So it's one more guy throwing the ball that we need to worry about. And that brings up some bad memories for us Ravens fans. Some Patriots wide receivers throwing, but yeah. um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Well, we'll see. We still got five days until the till the trade deadline. Like I said last week, I think the Ravens still have one more move up their sleeve. Uh, they did sign a defensive lineman just now from the Patriots practice squad. Uh, we cut Justin Bethel, and he went to the Patriots. The Patriots cut somebody to make room for Bethel, and we signed that guy. Uh, Jordan Richardson, so pretty much just a flip flop there. Well, fifth, we almost get it, it, it's it, it's almost like we get Jordan Richardson and and a likely fourth round pick for the move. Um, yeah. So it's almost like a de facto trade, even though we're not getting the pick directly from the Patriots. Yep. Yep. So we'll see. I mean, Richardson didn't really hasn't really contributed much on defense this year, but he will be relied upon in special teams. So. Tough to lose a guy like Bethel, but I, I think there's other guys on the roster that are ready to step up. Seth Roberts is a solid special teamer who who will um, probably step in and, and start getting getting probably a little bit more screen time for those special teams plays. But um, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, we can we can keep talking about that in in our first cap first half recap. But uh, I did want to get to our defense uh, against the Seahawks because this group looks completely different than they did a couple weeks ago. And and I think the main change that's occurred has been the 
the swapping out of the linebackers and Josh Bynes and LJ Fort coming in, I mean, this defense looks completely, completely different. Well, and I think you can't discount the the placement of Chuck Clark, you know, on the back end with the with the green dot. You know, everybody talked about the the communication last year once the green dot went from peanut to Weddle and blah blah blah. Well, maybe you know everybody talks about how smart Chuck Clark is, this that and the other. He may not be the most talented guy on the field, but if he can keep keep the communication where it needs to be, he may make himself invaluable to this defense, at least for the remainder of the year. Um, I think he's helped calm things down. I think there's no question. The play, like you said, of Bynes and Fort, who really has popped occasionally, um, you know, that's that's nice to see. Um, you know, we're going to maybe get Peanut back for the for – the, uh, a Patriots game. And I, I think, you know, he'll be on the weak side. So we'll get to rush the passer a little bit more, which is some of where he really shined last year, especially towards the end of the season. So, you know, there are a lot of things that, that look up about the Ravens defense somewhat, but then there's the injury to Pernell McPhee, which mm-hmm. adds to that need to potentially trade or find some other pass rusher. Yeah, for sure. I, I agree with you. Chuck Clark has been fantastic. And I would like to give a big, big uh, round of applause to Jalen Ferguson because he was put in a situation in which he hasn't been so far in his NFL career. And that is playing more than 50% of the snaps. And he played 45 snaps against the Seahawks once Pernell McPhee went down. They put a lot of pressure on the edges because of the way that they run the ball. And I think it would be very difficult to ask Jalen Ferguson to do more than he did on Sunday. And especially as a rookie in a tough situation, I think he showed very well for himself. I would agree. And, you know, he's going to have to step up for the rest of the year. He's going to be a big cog. I mean, he's going to I would imagine he's going to get the start against the Patriots. Um, I would think opposite of uh, Matt Judon. You know, so we'll we'll just have to see how that goes. Um, uh, it, it, it he is such a big player for us at this point. We really need him to become the sack daddy. Mm-hmm. For sure. So then, you know, we've been talking about trades and haven't really mentioned Marcus Peters yet. Big time play by Peters, the pick six, Russell Wilson's first interception of the year. Marcus Peters getting back to that man-to-man defense, getting back to the player that we're used to seeing uh, from back in his days with the Chiefs. I have a feeling we're going to end up signing Marcus Peters at the end of the year. I don't want to be Mr. Jump to Conclusions just because he ended up taking a pick six to the house. But like you said, oh, no. you know, Please. I mean, this is definitely a, 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 you know, definitely a player that that fits the system well, you would think. Um, I love the swagger. Mm-hmm. I love the, you know, instant impact of the defender take, you know, making it happen and scoring. Um, just everything about that screamed, you know, we were talking about Ravens offense earlier. That screamed Ravens defense so much. Mm-hmm. It was it was like hearkening back to days of yore. And it was it was just fun to see. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, he made a great read, made a great break on the ball, and just outran Russell Wilson. I mean, that was awesome to see. I mean, he played almost every snap. You know, after after being in Baltimore for what four days before. I mean, that I mean, is how incredible. Awesome he played. Is that? That, yeah, that he played ninety percent of the mind. snaps. That's that crazy. Blows my mind. And that's, I mean, the same thing happened with Fort and Bynes. I mean, they've barely been around and throw them right into the fire, and they're playing really well. So, Wink Martindale and, and the defensive staff have really gotten these guys up to speed fast and gotten them ready to play in the right spots, making the right reads. I mean, can't really can't really say enough about that, the way that this defense played in Seattle. I mean, it was a really impressive effort across the board. Um, on the other side of the field, uh, you know, Marlon Humphrey made some plays, but I'm not sure that this is one of his better games. He did give up some completions. He gave up the touchdown reception. Uh, but again, he made the plays that mattered. And, and one is the tackle right before the missed field goal, which I'll let you talk about in a little bit. And the other one was the scoop and score fumble uh, for a touchdown. And and like we started, the, the, the podcast was talking about the offense. I mean, the, the offense didn't really make all the plays and the defense picked it up. I mean, they made the plays that mattered. They did. It's like we, we've talked before. I think I talked last year some about, you know, the Ravens need a closer. You know, they need that guy that's going to come in and seal the game for them. Well, the Ravens have a couple on defense now. I think certainly Humphreys has become that player. Peters certainly seems like he should continue to have that knack for making a big play at a big moment. Um, so that that that's going to be a nice confidence boost for the defense um, to know that they, hey, we've got another playmaker now that's going to be able to step in and and make something happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've gone all this time and haven't mu- haven't mentioned Earl Thomas yet. He was had five tackles on the day, and and I'm not sure that I've seen a guy more happy to beat his former team than Earl Thomas was on Sunday. I I agree with you there. And I think, you know, I, I forget who I read this from. It was one of the, one of the local columnists, you know, mentioned how, you know, this might be big for Earl Thomas in a lot of ways. Cause not only was it big for the whole, you know, Seattle revenge Pete Carroll business, but, you know, having the Ravens as a team step up, have his back and say, Hey, Earl Thomas, we want to beat this team for you. Mm-hmm. And, and to have that connection in the locker room, apparently Earl Thomas is a guy that's somewhat quiet, you know, and he's still kind of finding his place in the team as I think, which makes sense. It's his first season in Baltimore. So to have, have the the team embrace him as they have and for them to be able to give him that win in his return to Seattle is, is a huge moment and hopefully it's a nice nice kickoff to him really starting to feel comfortable and really lead the defense because I think the last few weeks he's starting to settle in more mm-hmm. um in his role I think you know and I said this about Weddle when Weddle was back there, you know, I feel like the combination of Tony Jefferson and Weddle, they were almost the same player. Looking at Earl Thomas and Jefferson, I almost feel the same in, in their, what their skill sets are as safeties. And in both respects, Jefferson is the lesser of the two players. 
So, and, and that's not to say that I, I'm not trying to knock Tony Jefferson here, but I guess my point is pairing Earl Thomas with somebody else now that Chuck Clark's out there, you know, maybe that's a better pairing than with Tony Jefferson. I mean, maybe for some reason the difficulties that we see sometimes in that defensive backfield are related to Tony Jefferson. As much as I think he's a great guy in the locker room and all that stuff, you know, it's interesting to see him come out of the lineup and things improve. Yeah. I mean, that is interesting. I, I, I do think that Earl Thomas, like you said, is, is settling into his role for sure. I think this is going to be a big weight lifted off his chest now that this Seahawks game is over. Because, I mean, if you if you really, really dislike a, uh, an organization that much, I mean, it, it, like, it, seemingly nothing was towards the players. I mean, he gave Russell Wilson a big hug. They exchanged jerseys and all that. But the coaching staff and, and, and the, the front office, to get a win in their house and then not have to worry about them, probably, I mean, the next time would be the Super Bowl, I guess. You know, it's got to be such a weight off of his chest, and now he can just go and play and not worry about that kind of stuff. So I I really hope that you're right about that, and, you know, he can start forcing some more turnovers, uh, which would be great. But, uh, yeah, really happy for him that he got that win. And and, uh, I guess for any listeners that that don't know his history with the Seahawks, there's there's been a ton written about it um, that he he was hurt during a contract dispute. And, uh, you know, was not very appreciative of the front office, nor Pete Carroll. So definitely read up on it if you don't know much about it. It's it's really, really fascinating story. And I'm just glad he's on our team now. And he gave him the good old number one the last time he was <laughs> in the, the stadium with the team. So um, now now he really is number one, right? Yep. Um, yep. Yep, for sure. Um, so any we, other? I'm sorry. Any no, other thoughts on the say, defense? It, you know, the the best probably transition at this point is just to talk about the pass rush and the fact that you know Pernell McPhee out for the year now with the torn tricep and how much that impacts the the defense and and what the Ravens might do if they want to make a move. We were talking about the the trade deadline a little bit, you know, earlier. You know, some of the players out there you've got. Uh, you know, Vic Beasley from the Falcons. Nah. I mean, no then thanks. you've got, you know, maybe Solomon Thomas from the Niners. Nah. I don't know. Eh. You know, and yeah, then I mean, there's, uh, there's... Williams from the Jets. I mean, I, again, though, like, what's their cap number? Like, he's got a probably a pretty hefty, hefty final year you know, on his, his, uh, first rounder contract. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, pass rushers are at such a premium throughout the league that anybody that's available right now, you know, either has a massive cap number or isn't very good. And, you know, that's such a dilemma because, you know, how much are you willing to give up to put your team in the best position this year? And if you really believe this is your year, if you're Eric DaCosta, you know, 2019-2020 is going to be the year for the Ravens to win the Super Bowl. How much how much do you mortgage your future by trading first and second round draft picks for uh, for a big time pass rusher? So I don't know the answer. I'm not going to pretend to know the answer. 
Yeah, I, I mean, the thing that then I have to start looking at, so we've got Lamar in year two. So that means we've got three more years of Lamar on his rookie contract mm-hmm. with the fifth-year option. So we've got three more years to take advantage of the fact that he's not going to have a monstrous contract. Because in a perfect world, after that fifth-year option, Lamar is going to be making a lot of money. And I say in a perfect world because if he's making a lot of money, that means he should hopefully have been performing over the last three years. Mm -hmm. So... I look at it this way. If there is if there is a move out there for someone like a Von Miller, you have to take that chance and trade some earlier picks because you can then front load a new contract for him, you know, figure out a way to make the cap work with some kind of extension or whatever. And then, because I think they'd probably have to do an extension anyway in his case, because I believe his his uh, guaranteed money, I think, has been paid on his contract. Okay. But anyhow, point being is, that's that's the only kind of situation where I would be comfortable with the Ravens trading higher picks because you're saying well look if we're talking about competing now we've already trade traded for marcus peters hey we're kind of already going for it let's get that guy that we're going to need anyway because a pass rusher is going to continue to be a need for next year whether we get the guy now or later so i feel like that's the that's a situation where i'm okay with that kind of a move what I would not want to see us do is trade higher mid-round picks for some guy that's about to go for free agency or some middling guy just because we need a pass rusher. Mm-hmm. I mean, for example, you think about some of the, I think the, the Patriots traded a, I think a third round pick for Sanu? Second. Second round pick. That's a high pick. For Mohamed Sanu. I'm not trading a second round pick for Vic Beasley. No way. You know, I mean, let's no say way. the yeah. let's say the cap numbers would work, but uh, you know, taking that out of the equation. But I, I'm not trading a second round pick for Vic Beasley. I'm not trading a second round pick for Leonard Williams or Solomon Thomas or you know, but. Yeah, I would I would trade a first rounder and maybe a third for Von Miller. Maybe. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I. And again, I, I, I'm not, and I'm not sitting here saying I expect Von Miller to be traded. I, I'm, not, I actually don't think he appears to be on the block from everything you read. But that's the only thing I think would be worth it. The problem is if the Ravens. Don't God, they've got such a glaring hole. They have 12 sacks total as a team. For Not the good. That's terrible. I mean, you've got you've got Matt Judon who's leading the team with four sacks. And now that Pernell McPhee is hurt, he was the I think he had three, I think. And now you've got 
Bowser is now our second leading sacker with two. A guy who not two weeks ago we were talking about getting and potentially getting cut and being on the bubble when Tim Williams got let go. And, you know, he's now our second leading sacker. Or active sacker. You know, so that's that's not great. I'm not sure if you saw this, but Tyus Bowser was the PFF's highest graded defensive player from from the Seahawks game. Well, you know how I was surprised to see that PFF highest graded players. I mean, because like I said, you know, I think Bozeman actually got a fairly high grade for the game where he had four penalties. Mm-hmm. So I, I I don't know. As much as I I like to look at those ratings, I don't understand them. So. That's great that they think that. Yeah. Well, I mean, he only played 21 snaps on the day, but yeah, he, uh, oh, he did get yeah. a good grade for it. At least there's that. <laughs> so, yeah, so the Ravens are eighth from the bottom of the league in sacks. Uh, the Panthers lead the league with 27 sacks. The Ravens are down mm-hmm. at 12th. So, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Uh, something that they need to figure out. I'm not sure what it is. Um, I'm not sure if that means Wink Martindale redesigning some of these blitz or what, what the case might be. But um, if I think we bring they need in somebody, to turn Jimmy Smith into a defensive end when he comes back. I think that's that's yeah, the plan. put on a couple He's pounds. Bulking up, yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be bulking perfect. season. Because they say if you're, you know, if you're kind of a China doll at cornerback, what you should do is move to the defensive line. That's the way yeah. to to limit your injuries moving forward. Yeah, yeah, much much more uh, light work uh, up up front there. No doubt, no doubt. Less mm-hmm. impact play per play. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, really quick, you want to do a game ball and a pop of the week, and then sure, we'll, we'll do a quick uh, recap of the of the first half. Absolutely, and sorry to speak over the air. Yeah, I, I mean, my game ball is pretty simple. It's got to be Lamar Jackson. He's probably going to continue get to get a game ball from one of uh, one or the other of us every time we win because it, it it's going to be rare, I think, moving forward that Lamar's not a massive part of any Ravens win. Um, so he has to get my game ball. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Great choice. I'm going to go with Brandon Williams, and we didn't mention him during our – um, during our defensive recap there, but he was on my bulletin board along with the other defensive line members last week. Um, this game from Brandon Williams is the most active that I've seen him in a long time. He, he was in on four tackles. He produced two quarterback hits. You know, one of his biggest uh, strikes against him is his lack of pass rush, and he had two quarterback hits, which was nice to see. He was flying all over the field. I hadn't seen him play like that in a long time, so definitely had to give him the game ball and honorable mention also on the defensive end uh, on the defensive side uh Jalen Ferguson who I talked about earlier and LJ Fort another guy that just seemed to be all over the place second leading tackler on the on the day and uh well fourth leading tackler on the day so LJ Fort has been a really nice addition as well also getting after the passers some tackles for loss as well um pop of the week well, my pop of the week has to be, as you said, he may not have been, have had the best game of the season for for himself. But the the pop of the week for me has to be the play along the sidelines by uh, Marlon Humphrey 
first half, kept uh, right before the missed field goal. Big moment. Um, has to be my pop of the week. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was a play out on the edge. Him and Judon combined for it, and that play changed the tide of the whole game because, like you said, it it led to the missed field goal, and then that was the good field position for Lamar to come down and score his rushing touchdown, and the game was pretty much over uh, after that based on you know what what else happened. Um, my pop of the week was, you know, briefly mentioned it before, but. The wind being taken out of the sails of the Seattle 12th man during the nine minute fourth quarter drive was just a gut punch to that Seattle defense and to that Seattle fan base. That was an amazing, amazing performance uh, on that drive to come off of the goal line and to come down and kick a short field goal. Takes so much time off the clock and really just end Seattle's chances there. So that is my pop of the week and now let's get into our recap seven games in we're at five and two i predicted that the ravens would be four and three at this point so they're a game better and um yeah i mean let me let me just get your general thoughts uh, on how things have gone so far and what we need to do in the second half you know it's funny the ravens have looked really good for the most part in their wins and they've looked really bad when they've lost. So it's been kind of a weird season in a lot of respects. Um, You know, I I think the Ravens are definitely a contender. Obviously the pass rush worries me for their defense. I mean, the addition of Marcus Peters, you have to think will, will continue to help improve some of the issues we were seeing on the, on the back end, but that, you know, they're, they're really going to have to, you know, do a hell of a job covering man-to-man with the pass rush that the Ravens currently have. I mean, I I feel like, you know, obviously Russell Wilson's day notwithstanding, I, I think you're going to start seeing guys like, you know, Tom Brady and Deshaun Watson in the coming weeks, you know, are, are going to have a field day, you know, potentially unless unless we can get to the quarterback. So that's, that's what scares me. But, I mean... It, I don't want to sound like Debbie Downer. I mean, what what a revelation the offense has been. Lamar is as billed and as exciting as we could have hoped he would be in year two. Hollywood as is as billed when he's been able to play. The offensive line has been fantastic. Mark Ingram, what an addition for so many reasons. And, you know, it's it's been a first a fun first first half of the year. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, uh, all the questions in the off season were about uh, the Ravens offense and what was it going to look like? How's Lamar going to look? What are they, what are they going to be doing here? I, so I listened to a podcast from Pat McAfee a long time ago, and he was talking about the OGs of the team, basically like the the respected veterans around where the coaches go to him, the players go to him. And the two that I identify are Marshall Yonda, been around forever, and Anthony Levine, who's been on the Ravens for eight years now, which is which is kind of surprising that that time has flown by. But did Lamar have the respect and the support of the OGs? And I think you saw both examples of those guys in Seattle. The first was Marshall Yonda with his 
immediate enthusiasm and support of the fourth and two play to go back out there and support Lamar to go for it. And then the other one was kind of uh, a little bit less stated. Anthony Novin, you know, sprinting down the sideline to go pick up Lamar after he was pushed out of bounds on a play and slid across the turf. For those two guys who have been with the Ravens forever now, to support Lamar is is awesome. And I think that is a really good barometer of, of how they feel about him and how they feel about the offense. The other story has been the injuries on the defensive side of the ball, especially um, in the in the defensive backfield and now like Pernell McPhee. So, you know, their ability to kind of morph and adapt and add these two veteran linebackers to the mix and move to Chuck Clark has has really improved the defense over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, I think that's been a, a really major story. Um, and, you know, if I can jump back to the offense real quick, one of my themes uh, for a long time has been the red zone efficiency. I think the Ravens need to get more efficient in the red zone. And something else that we talk about almost every week is the reliance on Marquise Brown and, and Mark Andrews. I mean, there's there's got to be other guys that step up to the plate. You know, we saw Miles Boykin make a big play. Uh, Seth Roberts has, has a couple nice catches on the season. But, you know, those guys are going to c- continue to have to show up and, and take some of the pressure off of Marquise Brown because we've seen when he's out, the offense gets a little bit limited with their ability to stretch the field. So somebody's got to step up after the bye week. I have some confidence that they'll be able to figure that out in, in, in a couple ways. Um, so, yeah, they, I think that's where the Ravens need to improve is red zone efficiency, not relying on Marquise Brown, and like you said, uh, the pass rush getting to the quarterback. Did you have uh, anything else to add to that? No, I think that's all very well said, man. All very well said. I mean, it's it, it's been a fun first half of the season, and and hopefully the the Ravens, much like the uh, second half against the Seahawks, will be able to uh, pull away and uh, make it a good ending. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It'll be it'll be. Really, really fun. So so just to give you guys a little bit of a a preview, we'll be back next week to talk uh, week nine against the Patriots. Another huge game as the Patriots come to town. Uh, we, we saved our bulletin board for then. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you guys next week. Um, Holly, you want to go ahead and sign us off? Well, enjoy the bye week. I was gonna, I was gonna try to come up with some bit and you know, kind of sing "Bye Bye Bye" from by NSYNC, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold off and just say, "Go Ravens." Thank you for holding off. Go Ravens. <laughs>